Hi, this is Cree Mitchell, and I'm here again, and I'm talking from a Christian perspective on right and wrong. And there was a post on social media where Meet the Press had said the U.S. government will not grant temporary protected status to people from the Bahamas displaced by Hurricane Dorian. An administrative official tells ABC News. And so uh, one reporter, Noah Rothman, says why. And Soledad O'Brien replied, they're black bait. And so <clears throat> I posted it on my Facebook page and I uh, got a couple of comments and one from a Christian sister in particular who asked the question, why should the U.S. help? Her point was that the, that we should be wise stewards of our money and use wisdom and save for our ch children. And I went back and I took her back through a few things also to the Bible. First of all, a lot of the residents in the Bahamas are descendants of slaves, so they were brought over through the uh, transatlantic slave trade, either from for slave traders in Britain who were bringing them in to sell or from slave traders in the U.S. who were bringing them in to sell. And that was one of the stopping points along the Caribbean. When, uh, after a while, some uh, slave owners shifted and moved, took their slaves from the U.S. back to the Caribbean. And, and then when Great Britain abolished slavery years before the uh, U.S. did, a lot of <clears throat> slaves left the U.S. and went to the, the Caribbean islands for freedom. So that's one point for the fact that because of the slave trade, uh, there's a duty. Uh, the number one focus, even if you're not a Christian, is that unless you're Native American, you were not here first. You were brought in or you, your, your relatives either were brought in or you came to the United States, either as a slave or as a free person looking for a new life. And this country is considered a melting pot of, of faces and races. And so to turn away anyone wanting to do better, and especially if they've had a tragedy, it's shameful. The next point I brought up was that when Hurricane Katrina went through, we had countries from all over the world that didn't just focus on the state of Louisiana, but Mississippi, they brought in relief. The European Union uh, sent all kinds of money. Various countries and organizations, they did pledges. Um, they brought in food habitat for Humanity International, brought in food. The International Energy Agency uh, was a Paris-based company. They brought in barrels of food per day. Um, the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies, they came in, volunteers and, and food. The International Medical Corps came in. And even NATO sent. OPEC offered to help and send assistance. Um, it said the organizations of American states donated. The United Nations also donated. United Nations Child's Fund, the World Health Organization, the Food and Agricultural Organization, and the United Nations High Commissioner for Relief, they donated. 
United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees also donated. And like I said, it just goes on and on and on that countries all over the world donated to us in our time of need, sent help, sent aid. So there is a duty on that respect to help because they helped. Another factor I brought up was that in the United States, I'm not even talking about the other countries, but before the hurricanes came and devastated the Bahamas, that's the spot, even now, I got a call today from a, a cruise line about going to the Grand Bahama Cruises. The Bahamas was is the best place for going for, or our preferred place for going for vacation. A lot of people, we all love the Bahamas. So because we go there and enjoy it, that's another reason why we need to support it. And then I um, told her, I said, you know, we're Christian, so I'm going to go to the Bible because the United States, uh, you hear uh, congressmen and everything saying we're a Christian nation. So St. Matthew 25, 34 through 40, Jesus tells us how we're compelled to help those who are hurting. He said, if you do this to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. When I was hungry, you fed me. Sick, you you, you came and, and uh Check to me when I was naked, you clothed me. And so when you do these to the least of these, you do it unto me. Our giving should be based on the fact that this is what God has called us to do, not on the based on what an individual can do back for us in return. That's not Christianity. Then I went on to tell her that um, Proverbs 21 and 13 says, He who shuts up his ear to the cries of the poor shall also cry one day and not be heard. Proverbs 14 and 31 says, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. And for Christians, we are compelled to honor, to give, and to do to those who are less fortunate, who are in need. St. John's 13 and 35 says that Jesus said that people would know we were his disciples by our love. In 1 Corinthians 13 says, though I'd speak with tongue of men and of angels and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient and kind. It goes all the way down talking about all the things that love is. And yet, I mean, I, I was kind of amazed to have to even tell a Christian, hey, we're supposed to love. Instead of sitting there worrying about me and what's going to happen to mine. We believe as Christians that we live by faith. We sow seeds of faith. We believe in work. Faith without works is dead. I can't say I'm a Christian. And um, I'm not willing to put my faith into action. I'm amazed that there are people who will donate to little causes around the world. But when there is a need close to us, a neighbor, we start yelling no. Or we don't want to take them in. And uh, that's not God. That's not Jesus. That's not being a Christian. You have a form of godliness, but the denying the power thereof. Uh, the Word of God says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, um, I'm going to read it. 
In verse 3, it says, If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not, love does not delight, in e delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And in verse 11, it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away my childish things. There comes a time when we as Christians, we have to grow up. It's, if Christianity is, your Christianity or mine is based on I, me, or my, then we're not Christians. We're not. Because we only have a form. We don't have the power. So we're pretending to be. We just got to sign up and that's it. And that's not what the word of God tells us that we should do and be. We have people out there that are hurting in this world. And if we, with all the that we have, if we shut down our bowels of compassion, how dwells the love of God in us? And that's what we have to realize. Because we become clouds without water, Jude chapter 1 verse 12 talks about People who look and appear to be one thing, but they're actually something else. In a desert, I don't need a cloud without water. I need a rain cloud. And then in 2 Timothy, it talks about how that we, 2 Timothy 3 and 5, it talks about having the form of godliness, but they're not, have, they're not being empowered and for us to stay away from the individuals, for us not to be that type of person. Now, whether or not, me, you, or anyone who's a Christian or this nation steps up to the plate and helps those who are in plight and comes up with some kind of remedy to help them better themselves. If we don't, God will send deliverance. You read Esther chapter 4, chapter four when there was about to be a great slaughter in the kingdom, and uh, Esther, Uncle Mordecai, Contact her and said they're about to kill the Jews. This decree has gone out. I need you to speak up to the king. And she's like, I can't speak to the king. Nobody goes before the king unless he sends for you. And he told her this. He says, if you don't, deliverance will rise up. First, he told her, how do you know that you're not brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? But if you don't speak out, if you don't take a stand. God will send deliverance from another hand, but you and your household and your family will perish. And that's where we are. That's Esther chapter four. We've got to realize that as Christians, and even if you're not a Christian, the things we do in life are seeds and we reap a harvest in our lives from the seeds that we sow. And it's not being fiscally irresponsible to help the poor and the needy the immigrants and those who are displaced. No. It's being responsible when you do. It's walking in love when you do. Because that's what God has said. Either give it to the poor, lend it to the Lord, and God, the Lord, will repay. We cannot look for those who are in need to repay us. We have to look for God to do it. You're totally an heir, and you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. There was an awe. Uh, pastor's wife, I remember when I was a kid, Sister Ketchum, she used to say this all the time. Why hobo your way to hell? 
get out and go first class. If you're not going to live right, if you're not going to do right, don't hobo, don't waste your time in God's time. And that's what I'm saying. If we're not going to do right, we need to take down the sign that we're a Christian nation. Because every time I look up in the news when there's a debate about Roe versus Wade or inequalities or whatever else, you know, or um, gay rights, there is this group that will rise up and say, we are a Christian nation, a Christian nation. Don't tell me, don't show me your works with just what you say. I need for you to show me your works with what you do. Because we, we should be walking in love and not just doing lip service. A lot of times uh, Christians are misguided and people are misguided. So I'm not going to say Christians. People are misguided and thinking, oh, I can talk and say one thing. And uh, I'm sorry for that. People can say I can talk and say one thing. I'm not living up. No, you, we got to live what we what we talk, or it's in vain. And it's in James chapter 2, verse 18, where it talks about works and, and your talks. We always want to talk the talk, but we got to walk the walk. And James says, but some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. So James replies, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And that's it. Faith without works is dead, the Bible says. It's dead faith. So you have to have it. If we believe in Jesus, and we say we do, then we have to put the work in there. We have to, and we walk by faith. So as far as, oh, I can't help people because I won't have any for myself. He says he gives seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, meaning he provides. Philippians 4 says that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we have to put our faith to work. And I just, I just, to me, it was just a point that I thought that we needed to talk about today because. There's so many people wanting to sidestep the issues and just be a Christian in name only, but not walk it out. And if you don't walk it out, there's going to rise a need in the future. And you're going to discover that the seed that you sowed or didn't sow would have made the difference in the need that you have. Because the Bible says in Proverbs, he who sets up his ears to the cries of the poor shall also cry one day and not be heard. And it may be a relative, it may be your mother, your grandparent, it may be a stranger on the street, it may, like I said, it may be these refugees. It may, whatever it is, God will put opportunities for us to sow seeds for the future. And it is up to us to do so. We have to, we're compelled to. If we want to live according to what God has said, if we love him like we say we do. The Bible says, how can you say you love God whom you've never seen and yet hate your brother that you walk with daily? So that's, that's the other thing. How can I say I love God whom I've never seen and then hate my brother 
that I walk with daily or see daily? You can't. You can't. You can't. There's no way you can. And that's found in 1 John 4 and 20. A man say, I love God and hate his brother. That's one, but then there's another scripture similar to that. How can you say, how can you say, oh no. It says, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? First John 4 and 20. We're compelled to love. Now that doesn't mean that there are some people who are manipulators who can do better, who have the resources to do better. They don't want to. They want you to take care of them. There's a difference, and God gave you wisdom on that. But when, like with these people in the Bahamas, they didn't ask for what happened to them. This is nature coming at them. And it took everything away from them. They didn't squander it away, gambling it, wasting it on doing dumb stuff. It just was taken. So how can we, who say we love God, Say no. No, they can't. Because it's based on fear. Our walk with God is a way faith walk. Everything we do is by faith. The just shall live by faith. The widow in the in the Old Testament, in, in I believe it was in Kings, when Elijah came to her house, he told her, Well, he saw her at the brook. And he asked her for a drink. She gave. She went to get him a drink. And he said, can you bring me back a cake? And she said, I only have enough for me and my son. And this is what he said. Bake me a cake first. And bring me the water. And then go and cook for your son. He let her know God is going to bless you. So as the woman did that, her barrel of meal never ran dry, nor her oil until the day the famine left. Because God sustained her by faith. The little widow who gave her little bit that she had when Jesus was, was traveling in his ministry, he told the man that she gave more with what the little bit that she had than the others because she gave all that she had. God will provide for us. He's provided for us as a nation as families, states, he's provided for us. We now are living on the blessings of the seeds that others have sown in the past. And it is our duty to continue to sow. If you have children, grandchildren, your seeds will not only bless you, but they will bless others. So we cannot sat and say it's us, us four no more. If you remember in the book of Kings, the four lepers that were at the the set at the gate, and there was famine at the gate. And they were trying to figure out what they're going to do. And the one said, well, if we go into the city, there's death in the city. But Second Kings 7 and 3, there's death everywhere. The Syrian army is out there. So they decided on this. They looked at each other and said, you know what? 
Why should we sit here waiting to die? So they decided they would take chances with the army that had had this, the city surrounded. And as they went, something startled the army and the army got scared and left. And they went in and they saw it. They saw everything. There was food, there was clothing, there was tents, there was everything, but no people. They went into several tents. They took food and clothing and hid them so they would have food. And then one of them said, this is not good. If we, if we continue this up until morning, something bad's going to happen to us. We need to go back and let the king know that the army is gone and that there's food and provisions out here. And that's exactly what they did. And the people went out and saw that they had been gone and they were able to get the food and it fed the whole city. So I'm saying this again. God will always provide for his people when we get up and do. But there comes a time when we will come across people who have gone to the brink, to the edge of all that they can do. And they're standing there. And we are that blessing. And if we shut up our bowels of compassion, who he who shuts up his ears to the cries of the poor will also cry one day and not be heard. So, yes, we should use wisdom. Yes, we should try to preserve things for our families. God will bless us to do that. But we should also give to those who are less fortunate and help those who cannot help themselves. That's what Jesus called us to do. That's what Christianity is all about. He came, set aside everything that he had for us. Walk the walk that we had for us. He even fed the 5,000. Fed the 7,000. He told the disciples, you give them to eat. The disciples said, send them away. He said, no, you give them. Letting us know there comes a time we need to give. This is Cree Mitchell telling you that I love you. God bless you. I'm praying for you. But remember, Christianity is more than just talk. It's a walk. And we have to give. We need to do. we got to put our faith in action with works, not just words. Else it's nothing. Else we are nothing. Also, when we stand before him, we will discover that we will not be in. We will not be the sheeps that go in. We'll be with the goats. And in the words of Sister Ketchum, why well, hobo your way to hell? And that's what I'm saying. If you don't give, if you don't do, if you don't walk in love, if you don't forgive, if you don't move on and do what God has called us to do, you're hoboing your way to hell. Why well, hobo your way to hell? Get out and go first class. This is Cree Mitchell saying I love you. God bless you. Have peace.